FOMO. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I'm a FOMO sapiens. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you are too. And when you're like us and Monday comes around, you don't dread the new week. No, you wake up every Monday morning knowing that this week might just be the best one yet. This is Faux Monday, the snackable show that starts your week right with hot takes, life hacks, listener mail, and even some FOMO therapy. Hey, everybody, this is Faux Monday, the companion show to FOMO Sapiens. We will be back with an episode on Thursday, of course, as we always are. But until then, happy Faux Monday, my favorite day of the week. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now, today I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about what is going on in Ukraine and specifically what's going on in Poland just next door where there is an influx of refugees, people who need help, and what is going on to help these people. Now, as you know, Foam Mondays is about teeing up our Thursday episode. And so Thursday, my guest is Reza Aslan, the author of No God But God, a religious scholar turned unexpected entrepreneur, entrepreneurial renegade. So a really good fit for this season. But how does that fit into the topic today? Well, I think there's really two things. Number one, we are coming up on Thanksgiving. We are in the Thanksgiving period. And so it's important to think about, you know, folks who a year ago had pretty normal lives, lives like yours and mine are now displaced. And so it's important to remember these people, keep them in our thoughts and figure out how to help them. And second of all is we're going to be talking about work that's being done at the JCC, the Jewish Community Center in Krakow. And so, you know, there's religion tying into Thursday, religious scholar. I know it's not the best, tightest tie-in, but I think more appropriately thinking about this time of year, I, I feel pretty comfortable with that justification. And so let me tell you about who we're going to be talking to today. My guest is Jonathan Ornstein. He has served as the executive director of the Jewish Community Center of Krakow in Poland, obviously, since its opening in 2008 by the Prince of Wales, now King Charles. The organization is devoted to rebuilding Jewish life in Krakow and has become one of Poland's most visible signs of Jewish revival. Jonathan is a native of New York City, and he moved to Israel in 1994. He lived there for seven years on a kibbutz in the Negev desert, and then he served two years in combat in the IDF before making his way to Poland in 2001. So, you know, that is that is like the kind of person we have on FOMO Sapiens, obviously, a very fascinating character with a story to tell. So Jonathan, thanks for coming to FOMO Sapiens, welcome. Thank you, Patrick, it's an honor to be here with you. All right, so first of all, before we get into the work you're doing today, I would love to just hear a little bit about, you know, it's not everybody who moves from New York City to the desert and lives on a kibbutz. So tell us a little bit about your background and why you, you chose that path. Uh, sure. I, it's, uh, you know, I joke around because I went from uh, from New York to Israel to Poland. And historically, that's been the opposite journey of Jews, yeah. certainly World War II and afterwards. Uh, so I grew up in New York City. I grew up Orthodox, uh, Orthodox Jew, but it was never something that kind of sat well with me. So I did uh, did all I could to distance myself from that. Um, and after college, I went to school in North Carolina, which is again, trying to get out of that sort of- I'm a, I was like, that is not the most Jewish place I've heard of. <laughs> and that's that's how I chose. Uh, I was about to start law school. I uh, thought it might, not really for me. Uh, I'll, I'll try to defer for a year. If they let me, great. If not, at least I tried. And they, they were very happy for me to defer for a year. And it was getting cold in New York. I met somebody who was uh, living in Israel on a kibbutz in the desert. I thought it would be great. 
So I went to Israel and fell in love with uh, fell in love with uh, with that and living uh, living where I was. It was a big change from New York City to be in the middle of the desert. I loved it. Decided to become a citizen. Was in the army for a while, as you mentioned, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how I got there. And then Poland is another story. I met a Polish woman, a, a volunteer on the kibbutz, and decided in uh, a little bit later to move to Poland, sight unseen. That's amazing. That is that, that you know that's the thing. Like we. It's a classic story of like, uh, you know, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans from the, uh, from the John Lennon song. Uh, so you end up in Poland and today you're running the JCC there, which is for those of you who aren't familiar with the Jewish sort of community, you know, the YMCA, like the song, it's sort of like, in a sense, I guess that's how I think about it. The Jewish community center is like the YMCA and the Jewish community where it's a place for people to gather Maybe there should be a song about it. There isn't, but you know, something to think about. <laughs> but you know, you are you are leading this community, and you're of course right next door to Ukraine, and all of this, uh, you know, all of the upheaval that's happened there. Of course, Poland has been a, a major recipient of of the refugee community. So, talk about what is the work you're doing right now, and what you're seeing in Krakow right now. Sure. So we are uh, the JCC where I, where I am is about two and a half hour drive from Ukraine. Our normal work here, we're uh, very close to Auschwitz, which was the center, the epicenter of the Holocaust. And we're trying to rebuild the Jewish community that was decimated by the Holocaust and then really driven underground during communism. And now as it mm. emerges, we're trying to bring people, get people to really come out of the closet where people are finding out about their Jewish identity that didn't know and are, are getting involved. So that's sort of what we've, what we've been doing. Uh, for the past uh, 14 years. Uh, and then seven months ago when the war started, we made a couple of decisions. And one was that we were gonna do all we could to help Ukraine. And the second was that we were gonna help Jews and non-Jews equally. That uh, in, in, a, in a place of Jewish suffering uh, with the Holocaust and before and after even, we were gonna try to alleviate the suffering of others. So that meant straight away uh, starting, we started with a, a food pantry and a, like a free shop inside our building that we opened that a few people came the first days and that turned into a, turned into a flood really. And that's about 500 people a day now who are coming in to receive uh, food, diapers, toiletries, whatever they need. Uh, and there's a dozen other programs. We're running a safe space for women and we're uh, daycare and we're, we were active on the Ukrainian border, which is now quieted down and inside Ukraine sending supplies and overall, we've helped uh, 130,000 people directly. We've hired 40 people. So we've doubled the size of our institution. We were 35 full-time before February 24th, and we're 75 full-time now. And uh, yeah, we, it's just been a, it's been a steep learning curve because we're not a humanitarian organization, or we weren't, and have had to really figure it out as we're going along. But where we are and our history, I think, has made, it, made what we do uh, very necessary. So on FOMO Sapiens, we really focus on how, you know, we make decisions in complicated situations and how we figure out what's the thing that, you know, we, we can do a million things, right? You could, there's a billion ways that you could figure out a, a way to contribute to, you know, helping refugees, right? Not a billion, but there's many. You have chosen the specific set of solutions. Like, how do you figure it out? Because I imagine the beginning, like, it's not... This is one of these things we saw coming, obviously. I, I, I have a good friend who's actually Polish and he would text me all the time and say like, there's a, all these troops in Belarus on the border. Like he, you know, people see it coming, but like, like anything else, like COVID even, it's like you see it coming, but when it happens, you're like, whoa. How did you figure out what you needed to do when that moment came? 
I think for us, the most important thing was just the decision to act and not to question too much what we were doing and to understand that we were going to make mistakes, but that the most important was just to act. So we decided that we were just going to go all in and started to do what we could. And there are always people around who can give you the expertise, the desire and the connections that you have in the world are far more important than any specific expertise. There's always somebody who knows how to set up a refugee center and how to advise you about this and what you should be carrying and what times to be open and all these little details that you might think would get in the way. We knew we wanted to do it. We started to do it and we knew we would get help around the world. And because of the, of the connections that we've had and because we've been able to meet a lot of people who passed through our institution in the last 14 years, we understood that we would, we hoped that we would be able to find the support to do what we were going to do and as much support as we could get we we just that would that would dictate the level of our involvement and so far that support has been fantastic and we've been able to help a lot of people fomo quick math the less your business spends on operations on multiple systems or delivering your product or service the more margin you have and the more money you keep but with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. And what have you learned along the way? Like, I guess if you could go back to yourself, you know, seven months ago and, you know, travel in time and sit down and be like, okay, Jonathan, like, let me just save you a couple of, like, you know, sort of headaches. Like, what would you tell yourself that, about what you've learned that would make your sort of work easier? Um, I, I guess, first of all, trust your instincts. It maybe sounds quite banal to say, but if you think you should do something, then don't question it too much. 
you're in the position that you're in because people believe in you and you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, you know don't don't worry too much about that and mm. don't be afraid to act uh, you know i didn't i you know i don't I, I don't think any of my board members will be listening so I, I didn't really go through the traditional process and board approval and go and discuss this and how this would affect us and how what will our budget look like and what are we going to do i just realized this is a crisis and in crises in crises one acts and uh i've just been com- always mindful of of the history here and that we're spending every day for 14 years trying to rebuild a community that was destroyed because of the massive indifference that 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 the community the jews faced years ago and you don't often get a chance uh, almost never have a chance to fix history and we're not able to go back in time and to and to save people that were murdered but we can prevent people in the future from from suffering uh and and, it, and that that's been that's really been our our mantra and our ethos uh, since then so i'm you know I, i'm very happy with the way we've we've done it i'm 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 thrilled with the response of the world uh but but uh it was a little bit flying blind there in the beginning that we made a decision and we hoped that that it would work out and for the people that come you know come into your center i've listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot about what's going on in in Ukraine. Obviously, you know, it's a different thing to be on the front lines. But one of the things that really strikes me that I think for anybody who's listening is really relatable is you have people who, you know, were living in Kiev or, you know, Lviv or whatever, one of these or or Kherson or, you know, someplace in Ukraine who like it's on Monday morning, they're making, you know, musical lesson appointments for their kid or they're taking their cardiac fix. It's like a normal life. And then, you know, a couple of days later, they're getting their car back from the shop because they're fleeing the country and they're under attack. So it goes from literally normal life. Yeah, obviously people knew there was a threat, but you go from a normal life where you're worried about like getting the groceries to running out of the country with whatever you can grab. And so it's very defining. It's very defining, like what what matters and what doesn't, and what you need to do. And I'm curious, you know, obviously this isn't the first refugee crisis. These happen all the time, unfortunately. And obviously, in, in your work at representing Jewish community, this is not the first refugee crisis because in the World War II era, obviously, there were massive refugees and people who were displaced, and um, among other things. Like, what does it do to somebody? How does it change them to live through this kind of experience? I've been stunned by the resilience of the ukrainian people um, and you know we're talking about you should it's very important to emphasize you're talking here about 90 somewhat percent women and children right mm-hmm. so not only the experience of being you know having your losing your home and being uh, you know bombed and, and and things that have been happening happening to them sexual violence terrible things but then they're also separated from their families and the strength and res- and really the strength and resilience of ukrainian women has been absolutely unbelievable what they what they've been able to do and you know and for us we're mindful that you know you try not to just see people as refugees and the moment they're in a certain situation but they're you know refugee is a term that we use these are these are people that had lives as you as you pointed out and a lot of them very very good satisfying productive interesting lives uh, before and they are the same people that had those lives and i think it's up to us not only to help them and support them which is in some ways the easy thing to do it's easy to give somebody you know, a uh, pasta, a sandwich, uh, diapers. But I think for us, what's been a challenge and that we're really focused on is doing it with dignity. So we, you know, we have we have a pantry and we've tried to make it when people come in to take 
whatever they're taking. We try to make it exactly like a shopping experience. They have little shopping baskets. They come, they check, you know, so it's all like being in a shop, except at the very end, instead of paying, they don't pay. And we, and we say, it's important to us. We say that we thank them as if they're, you know, they're our clients, they're shoppers who come in just at the end, uh, they don't have to pay. So little things like that, I think, are the are the, are the important part. Uh, important part, obviously, the big picture. You have to help people, but you can do it in a way, or you can at least try to do it in a way that has these people uh, helps them keep their dignity, dignity, which is which is a real challenge to do it that way. And that's been something that that we really work on, that the staff here works on, that we're mindful that in a, you know this is this could easily be us. We could be fleeing the other direction from Poland into Ukraine. It's not not impossible, and that's. That's what happened here before in history. So we always keep it in mind. It's so true. I mean, I was thinking as you're talking there, it's like, you know, even just saying like talking about people like refugees, it's like, these are people, they, they didn't, they, like, they don't, I'm sure like if I were in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, like, yes, I'm a refugee, but I'm also like, I, I read books. I do these things like, don't, don't put me in that bucket. I'm a lot more than that. So I think it's important to remember that. FOMO. This show is about like people being overwhelmed with opportunity, right? So it's like that is a high class problem, but it's a real problem. But you know, it's about in the end of the day, it's like how do we how do we cultivate mental fitness? Because even if you have good problems, they are still problems. But this is a whole different situation when people are, you know, they, they there's a lot of clarity. It's like I know what I need to do today. I need to get in the car and get out. I need to get food. I need to make sure my kid is okay, right? So that a lot of the a lot of the problems of the FOMO sapiens class are those disappear, right? But there's a whole new set of problems. And so when we think about people's sort of mental wellness, because you know, that's really the stuff that carries on and you know, there's like long-term trauma and stuff, like how have you sort of been able to work on that and helping people in those fronts? Yeah, it's been a big focus of ours. So I would say the first, the biggest <clears throat> challenge for us is housing. It's expensive to house people. And if they don't, mm. they don't have a place to live, then the rest of it, you know, you can't give people psychological support or anything else or even feed them if they don't have a place to live. So housing and food have been the biggest, that really our biggest programs and the biggest challenge for us to continue doing. But besides that, without question, it's been the psychological aspect. And there's a particular challenge, which is these are not people, it's not a society, which is, you know, it's not New York City or it's not America where it's, you know, we're sort of at a very advanced stage. Everybody talks about what meds they're on and it's no big deal. And we're, we're you know, we've sort of, the idea of therapy and of seeking psych psychological help has, uh, you know, very little stigma, at least in, in most places, uh, I think, or we've come a long way in the United States as a society. But Ukraine is not there and it's not such an easy thing for them to go and talk to people. So we, but it's a big, it's a big part. It's the third largest thing that we're doing. Um, and so we've hired a lot of psychologists. Very often we'll invite people, start in a group and we'll say, oh, we have some experts to talk to. And we don't classify it as them speaking to a therapist, to a psychologist, but it's an important mm -hmm. part of it. And once they speak, they, they, it's clear that they need people to speak to who are trained in this. We've worked with different Israeli NGOs and, and, and actually a Jesuit university here to do a, a, on, a pro, on a program to train uh, Russian-speaking Polish psychologists in trauma, sort of dealing with trauma victims. Israel is very, very good uh, for for uh, all the wrong reasons in dealing with trauma, uh, mm. because of a lot of the uh, uncertainty and way things happen there. Uh, so that's been a big, big, uh, big thing for us. But besides trying to provide that for them, it's been getting them to accept it, and sometimes having to come at it not from a direct point of view of trying to slowly introduce these people into the into that, because you know they're also dealing with these issues of should they go home. You know, at what point they feel they they feel um, 
you know, unpatriotic as Ukraine has, uh, you know, it's great that Ukraine is doing well militarily, but that also makes it a lot more complicated in terms of choice, right? Yeah. Like, oh, should they go back? The place they just, the place where they were from is liberated, but what will happen soon? Their husband, their brothers, sons, fathers are there. And there's a lot of issues. So in some ways the fleeing is the dramatic part, but the simpler part, because of course you flee when you're, when you're presented with a situation that causes you to flee. But how to go, to go back, to move farther on, we're trying to move people on to the United States, to Western Europe, but they want to stay close. So a lot of the issues that they're now presented with are far more complicated than they were at the early days of the war. So the good news is that FOMO Sapiens listeners are all over the world. They're in Poland. They're in Russia. And by the way, those of you in Russia, like, you know, <laughs> many of you are becoming refugees as well. Uh, we're following the news. And uh, I hear from my readers in Russia who say, listen, like, this is, you know, this is really bad. You know, remember that we also, uh, you know, many of us are not in favor of this. And we, we are as shocked and terrified as, as, as you are. And we have people in the United States and all over the places. So that's good. And so I guess, Jonathan, I would ask, you know, tell us, number one, how we can help your mission and also what we can do in our communities to help as well. So we're, what we're doing is dependent on support from from people all around the world. So we have a, a, we have a dedicated campaign for Ukraine, friends of jccrakow.org forward slash Ukraine. People can make a tax deductible donation uh, that will that will go directly. Every penny goes to, to support Ukraine. So that's, you know, the obvious way to help us or help other organizations. Not only, you know, there are a lot of good organizations out there doing good work in Ukraine. You can help if you're interested in children, if you're interested in, in you know, in, 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 with women, with supporting Ukraine militarily. You know, there's a there's a whole uh, a whole plethora of, of ways that people can support Ukraine. And I would encourage them to do that. And beyond that, uh, you know, we need to keep this at the front of the news. This is still happening. None of us thought it would be still here seven and a half months later. Um, but, you know, whatever, whatever that entails, you know, keeping, you know, writing to your congressman, as they say, or keeping it at the front of the, you know, talking about it. Don't complain too much when gas prices are higher because it's, you know, it's playing into Russia's hands. So however we can, however we can do that and kind of understand that sometimes a little bit of suffering on our side helps alleviate a lot of suffering on, on you know, somewhere else in the world and, and, you know, keep thinking about that. All right. I think we're going to do all that. And I think it's so important to remember these stories. You know, I remember those first weeks of the war and CNN had correspond on every corner of the country in Ukraine, which is awesome. And I appreciated it. And I watched it all. And then you, you sort of can't because it's it, it takes a toll and you can't you can't monitor a war 24 seven from New York City. It's just not healthy, but it doesn't mean that you can't stay in touch and find ways to help. So definitely um, everybody go find Jonathan online and support. All right, Jonathan Ornstein, Executive Director of the Jewish Community Center of Krakow. Thanks for being here. Thank you, my friend. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO. Want more FOMO Sapiens and FOMO Monday? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 